Welcome to Shouts of Grace Radio, practical conversations from God's Word, hosted by Pastor Steve Pearson of Redemption Hill Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah. At Shouts of Grace Radio, it's our purpose to encourage you to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. Now, let's join Pastor Steve for today's conversation. Hey, welcome back to Shouts of Grace. I am your host, Steve Pearson. I am the pastor of Redemption Hill Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah, and we are absolutely blessed that you could take some time out of your day and join us. Um, If this is your first time listening, we want to say welcome and let you know that it doesn't have to be your only time listening. In fact, you can go back and listen to, gosh, I think it's almost five years of episodes. You can do that by going to shoutsofgraceradio.com and there you'll see um, um, over 200 episodes that you can go back and listen to a number of topics. Uh, Sometimes we go through scripture. Sometimes we go through uh, things that are just happening in the world around us from a Christian worldview. Um, And also if this is um, your fourth or fifth or 10th or 200th time (laughs) in returning to listen to Shouts of Grace, we want to say thank you uh, for your support. And also a shout out to Key Radio as always for uh, their generous use of um, their studios here in Provo, Utah. Uh, we are on some of the um, many of the the bigger um, streaming um, platforms, so you can look us up on Spotify, and I believe um, it's Apple as well. Um, and so, anyway, enjoy that as well. Um, I today am going to do something a little different. Uh, if you listen to Shouts of Grace, you know that typically we have uh, people, different pastors and church leaders. Some are in studio. Some call in on the phone from around Utah, some from around uh, the United States, friends of mine, people that I've grown to respect over the years. Um, and so that's typically how our program goes. Today I'm in studio by myself. And the reason is, is I wanted to take a episode or two and talk about something that is very close and dear to my heart, something that I see is being attacked today, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, oftentimes when we think of the gospel, we think of just a proclamation of something and, you know, something a person hears and listens to at the beginning of their life. Uh, They either accept it or reject it. Um, If they accept it, they're uh, then born again, born into uh, the family of God. And if they reject it, they remain as they are. And if they take that to the grave, then that becomes the only unforgivable sin, which God will then judge them for an eternity being uh, a rejection of Jesus Christ in the gospel. And certainly, though all that's true, the gospel is is much deeper and is much more. I I think a good place to start in this is to kind of share what the gospel does, you know, and and then we can kind of look at the nooks and crannies of it and then kind of um, get into the part where where I feel like God's leading this discussion um, with you today. The gospel is said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, it is said 17 is said to be the power of God unto salvation. What does that mean? Um, It means this, that first a person has to ask what is meant by salvation? Because if it's the power of God to save a person, then what salvation are we talking about? What am I being saved from? And to do that, we have to have a correct understanding and worldview of what the nature of, of humanity is, that we are sinners that from the very beginning, God created perfection. He created male and female. It was a crown jewel of his creation. But 
man chose to sin. Uh, God gave him options in the garden and told him that if he chose the wrong thing to do, that um, that man would know what death was, that man would know um, that uh, there would be a right and wrong before um, man fell, man only knew what was right. He only knew what was good. And so when Satan tempted Eve in the garden and he said, well, God knows on the day that you eat of this, you'll know, you know, you'll know good from evil. Well, they already knew what good was. So all Satan was really selling them in the garden was evil. And so, of course, we know that they took and, and what happened there is two things. Number one, man died spiritually, that connection with God, that that part that communes with God, um, emblematic of them being kicked out of the garden and no longer walking with the Lord in the cool of the garden, in the cool of the day, uh, that that season was over. And and man would feel the impact and the effect of of not having that relationship that we were meant to have, that closeness. Um, man, man would experience God from a distance. Man would experience God without any closeness um, in proximity, um, physical proximity as he had in, in the garden. And so um, that was one effect. But the other effect um, was that a man would begin to die and the decaying process would begin. But what happened from that was that sin entered into the world through that act of rebellion, and now man in his fallen condition um, became instantly uh, susceptible to desires of the flesh, knowing good from evil that were never there before. Okay, And so the problem with that is the consequences of that, though certainly they are temporary in, in some sense and they are te- or they are temporal, there are eternal consequences as well. Because now um, every person born from that, from that point on would be born dead in their trespasses and sins. In other words, what God created had now been changed because of sin. And so the only possible way that a person could ever find favor with God is if they lived a perfect life. The problem is, is that there was no way of living perfection beyond that point because now we're all born into an imperfect world that is now fallen because sin has taken its toll on everything. And so what God did in his graciousness was to send his son, Jesus Christ, to redeem or to buy back what was lost in the fall, namely humanity, by paying the price for what someone would have to pay for, um, and that is sin, Christ now gave the opportunity for all men to come and to be reborn and made renewed, if you would say, um, and then experience that that death to to self to be reignited or given life again um, through the proclamation of the gospel, where God would choose to forgive the person of their sin because of Christ's payment for their sin. And give them new life. And so and so when we say that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, what we mean is it's the only thing that can take the sinner from the darkness that they're born into to the light that God intended them to experience um, for all eternity. And the way that's done is that Christ becomes what's called the propitiation for our sins, that he is the satisfactory judgment for sin so that now God 
doesn't look past our sin, but takes our sin and puts it on his son and in turn gives us eternal life. So when we say the gospel that Jesus Christ died for my sins, that he was buried and rose again from the third day, that when we proclaim that gospel and a person believes it and accepts it, then God takes their sin, he puts it upon Christ. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, He who knew no sin, Jesus, became our sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. And so we then, um, now Christ in, in turn gives us his righteousness. It's something that's a free gift imputed to us as we surrender our life. And God now looks at us um, as if we're perfect because the perfect righteousness of Christ is put to our account. So we often say righteousness is not found in a conduct. It's not found um, in a, um, you know, in a church or, or a behavior. It's found in a person and righteousness belongs to him and him alone and to whomever he chooses to give as that person bows their knee to him and receives what he did for them on their behalf. So the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God to salvation. Now, Here's the problem that I see happening today is that the gospel um, is being attacked. It's being attacked in an underhanded way. And I think a lot of people don't even realize it's happening. And these are people that would call themselves Christians. Here's the truth, folks. When the gospel is preached unapologetically, unadulterated, and it's just given, the fact is there are two reactions to it, Right. The first reaction is people are convicted. In Acts chapter 2, verse 37, when Peter shares the gospel with a bunch of people, we're told that once they hear it, that they are cut to the heart. That means that, that, that the gospel convicted them so much that they said, well, what do we do? And, and then Peter says, you need to repent and, and be baptized for the remission of sins. Later on, he'll say you need to repent, um, you know, and so the time of refreshing can come. The point is this. The gospel created a reaction inside of them that caused them to say, wow, we're wrong. We're busted. What do we need to do? Right. So their conviction led them to receive Jesus in Acts 2. And we're told as a result that 3000 people were saved. But not long after that, in Acts chapter 5, Peter and the apostles are sharing the gospel and the people that were responsible, the religious people that were responsible for the death of Jesus got really angry. And so they pulled them into a private room. And in Acts chapter five, verse 27, it says, and when they had brought them, they set them before the council. This is the religious people. And the high priest questioned them saying, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Now, I want you to see, they hear the gospel, and there's a conviction that they're feeling very unlike the people in Acts chapter 2. These people feel like that, man, this, this gospel is trying to condemn us and bring blood on our head. They, and then it says, but Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at the right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel for forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to this. And then when they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill him. 
So I want you to see the two reactions. You see a similar reaction as these guys had when Stephen shares the gospel. In Acts chapter 7, it says, when those people heard those things, they were enraged, Acts 7, 54, and they ground their teeth at him, and they didn't want to hear it, so they stopped up their ears. And so you have two very distinct reactions to the gospel. One is people were convicted, and they were pricked to their heart, and they said, man, we have blown it. What do we have to do? The other reaction was enragement. They were angry that you would tell us that we're sinners, that you would tell us that we killed this man. How dare you? And they wanted to stop up their ears. In fact, in both instances, in Peter's instance in Acts 5 and Stephen's in Acts 7, it says that they wanted to kill him. In Acts 7, they did kill Stephen as a result of it. And so here's why I bring this up, is the gospel convicts some and enrages others. But here's the key. It's supposed to do that. And I want to talk about that a little bit more on the other side of the break, because what we're having today is people in churches and people that say they love Jesus feel that one of those reactions shouldn't be because if people are turned off, then man, they'll never come to our church. They'll never come to God. And that's the more important thing is that they come to our church and they come to God. So if they're enraged, we better do something about that enragement. So we'll look, we'll talk more about what that looks like on the other side of the break. You're listening to Shouts of Grace. We'll be right back. You're listening to Shouts of Grace, the radio ministry of Redemption Hill Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah. For more information about Redemption Hill or Pastor Steve, visit our website at rhutah.church. Shouts of Grace Radio is thankful for the encouragement from Key Radio, reaching Utah with the good news of eternal life from their station in Provo, Utah. Now, let's join Pastor Steve for the conclusion of today's broadcast. Hey, welcome back to the program. I'm in studio today with myself. <laughs> I am uh, I'm Steve Pearson, the pastor of Redemption Hill Church and the host of um, Shouts of Grace Radio here. And before the break, we were just talking about uh, the gospel, what the gospel is, um, what it does, how it saves people. And we had left off with um, with this idea that when the gospel is shared— it does two things. It, it pricks the hearts of some people and brings them to a place of repentance, but it enrages other people. And um, that's something that it's always done. It's something throughout the centuries that it's done, and it's supposed to do that. Now, before the break, I said one of the problems that we have today is I think many people within the church feel like the offense part is detrimental to the conversion of the unsaved. And what I mean by that is if somebody hears the gospel and they experience the Acts 5 or the Acts 7 reaction where they're they're enraged and they stop their ears up and they grind their teeth, then we can't have that because if they're angry or upset or enraged, then they won't come to Christ. And so their offense becomes the altar at which we sacrifice truth and goodness. And we say, okay, what can we do so that they're not offended? And the only thing that you can do, the only thing that you can do is you can water down or change the gospel so it's not offensive. Because for 2,000 years, it is been offensive. I think, I think of, you know, um, I think of Moses and Pharaoh, you know, when, when Moses, you know, is told by Pharaoh, Hey, um, you know, you can go ahead and leave Egypt, but I want you to leave your sacrifices behind. Moses responds and says, well, we can't do that, you know, because, because our oxen and our, sa- or our oxen and our, and our herds are what we use 
to sacrifice to God. So, so what you're asking us to do is leave Egypt and go worship God without a sacrifice. You know, the truth is a lot of people do that today. A lot of people go to church, but they leave the sacrifice out. And what I mean by that is church isn't about Jesus. It's not about Christ crucified. For a lot of places, it's about the people. It's just about you. How are you feeling? What's, what's, you know, what's your emotional status like? Is your pain great? Is, you know, Jesus understands your pain. He understands your suffering and, you know, and, and he understands where you're at in life and how you grew up and all the trauma that you've had. And so church becomes catering to a plethora of emotions that the sinner brings in and sinners love things to be about themselves. They love to be catered to, right? We're told in 2 Timothy that in the last days, men are going to be lovers of themselves. And so we're in a culture where people are lovers of themselves. So if I can go to church and you can cater to me and and, and my dilemmas and my problems, then then man, I'm then that's the love of God. That That's how people see things. And because of that, talking about sin and talking about the need to repent is finding its way quickly out the back door of many churches because it's offensive to people. Folks, here's the thing. When church becomes about the sinner's emotions and their feelings and what's happening in life and not about the sacrifice and not about Jesus Christ as being the premier and preeminent thing in church where we worship him because of all that he did for us. When church becomes more about my pain than his pain, when it becomes more about my suffering than his suffering, then you, what will happen is we will cater to that in such a way where we will refrain from telling the truth because we don't want to quote unquote hurt them anymore. But we don't have the right to do that. The gospel needs to be preached to people. That means that if people are living a lifestyle that's hurting them and, and they're in sin, we don't refrain from calling the sin sin so that they won't be hurt. Folks, they'll never be healed if we do that. What we do is we bring the gospel into every situation, into every lifestyle decision, into every action that is, that is said to be sin, regardless of whether society accepts it or not. And we tell the truth to people. Here's why. At the core, at the core of the message of the gospel is repentance. There is no way of getting around it. And what will happen is if we refrain from talking about what the Bible says is sin, not our opinion, but what the Bible says is sin, and we don't bring the true gospel into that situation, then people will become accustomed to sinning. And when people come accustomed to sinning because the church won't tell the truth, listen, they will begin to call evil good and good evil. And when a person or a society chooses to call evil good and good evil. I want you to think about this now. Follow me here. What happens to the message of repentance? If somebody calls evil good, remember, repentance is to change your mind. And when you change your mind, you change your actions and you change your direction. And so the only, you know, the, the only situation where repentance replies is when we're going the wrong direction, thinking the wrong thing. We don't repent of things that are good. And so we can go do bad. So if a person's going the wrong direction from what God wants them to go, and they're thinking the wrong thing from what God wants them to think, but we turn and call that wrong good, what happens to repentance? It vanishes. So this whole idea becomes an attack 
on the gospel. Because if we tell a person who's going the wrong way that they're going the right way, and we don't want to, and you know, we we don't want to infringe upon their rights, or we don't want to hurt them, and so and so we 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 don't tell them they're going the wrong way. What will happen? They'll never repent. And so the gospel isn't effective in such a case because it's not confronting them. It's not standing its ground based on scripture to say you're going the wrong way. And when a society adopts that, because everyone's afraid to offend the sinner, everyone's afraid, everyone's afraid to, to offend the person who's going the wrong way, then listen, the Bible says when a society does that or a culture does that or a nation does that, that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And so what you have going on in, in our culture right now is an attack on the gospel by telling people that what they're doing that's wrong is actually right. It's actually natural. It's actually good. Hey, if you feel it, that's okay. And anybody who tells you something different isn't loving. And since God is love, then they're not loving you. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on a second. So now what we find is actually the second attack on the gospel. You know, the gospel at its core is found in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. At the center of the gospel is love. But listen, not love the way man defines it, but love the way God defines it and love the way God demonstrated it. And we are told that God demonstrated his love. This is the core of the gospel, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't while we were doing good, but while we were sinners. You see, the Bible doesn't treat the word sin or calling people sinners as though it's a curse word. It's a mandatory thing that's a part of receiving the gospel, that I understand I've offended God, that I understand I'm a sinner. And what's happened in the world today is people are redefining the very nature and character of God in this area of love, and they're saying it's unloving, because here's what's happening. If you accept evil as good, and and society or the church or Christians share any message that that is contrary to my definition of love and what's good, then they must be hateful and unloving. And so now Christians are being told by the world that you're unloving for telling me that I'm a sinner and I need to repent of something that I want to do. And folks, here's what it comes down to. People have have now fashioned and made a God in their own image after their own likeness. And let me tell you something of what happens when a person makes a God in their own image and their own likeness. That God will never tell them no. Did you know that? When you fashion, when I fashion a God and we make him in our image and and we then bow down and worship him, he will never say no to our evil desires. He will always give us the desires of our heart. There will be no discernment because it's not a God at all. But the true and living God gives us a gospel that says, here is the standard. You have broken the standard, but I have given you a replacement. I've given you righteousness for your sin. If you will exchange that in the person of Christ, it's the power to save you. And if you reject him, you reject the salvation that comes from God. And so the the gospel, the biblical gospel is clear. I have sinned. God is calling me to repent. God defines what the sin is, not the world. The world doesn't tell the church how to worship God. That's insanity. 
And once I understand what sin is and that I have to repent, I turn my heart over to Christ and I say, God, I've offended you. Would you forgive me? And he gives me righteousness as he takes my sin. And folks, that's how a person is saved. That's the power of the gospel. And we have really compromised that. And so I want to encourage our listeners as we're out of time for this episode to think about what was said. The gospel is defined by God because love and repentance is defined by God. And so think about that. God bless you, and we'll talk to you next time here on Shouts of Grace. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Shouts of Grace Radio with Pastor Steve Pearson. We hope that you've been encouraged to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. If you've been encouraged in your journey following and learning more about Jesus, we would love to hear from you. You can visit us online at shoutsofgraceradio.com. At shoutsofgraceradio.com, you can listen to all of our episodes, share them online with your friends, and find out more about Pastor Steve. Shouts of Grace is an outreach of Redemption Hill Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah. Thank you again for joining us on today's show. And from all of us at Shouts of Grace, it is our prayer that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ.